What makes a great story? How do you choose compelling guests for your show? Whether they're famous celebrities or undiscovered? And once you find and land those guests, what do you owe them? Welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. I'm your host, Marian Abrams. Today we're talking with Rena Friedman Watts. You'll hear a little bit of her history. She's worked in some exciting and controversial TV shows, and she's got some great insights into the world of guest booking. How do you land those hard-to-land celebrity guests? How do you find those perfect stories that are under the radar? Rena is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast, and her company is Megawatt Productions. Let's go right into the conversation. You help book guests on shows like Jerry Springer. And where else were you doing some of those guest booking? Yeah, I, I helped book guests for Court TV. So I worked for Judge Alex for four seasons. I worked on Divorce Court. <laughs> so I did the Court TV circuit for a bit. I also helped cast America's Got Talent. So often people think, oh, it's really hard to get X, Y, or Z celebrity or famous people person for a show. But a lot of the time... Number one, that may not be your best guess, but number two, it can be harder to discover and find an unfamous person that would be the perfect fit. So I'd love to just kind of start at the beginning. How do you go about, like if you need, like if you had a bunch of criteria that aren't the things you can look up in a standard way, where do you start? Where do you start when you're looking for guests? Oh, I mean, I honestly get guests on every platform. And I've had such a wide range of guests that those wide range of guests then introduce you to other guests that they know. So I have gotten a lot that way. Like I had a guy on my show who was a sperm donor to 25 kids. And then after I had him on, one was like, oh, I'm the London version of that. I have given sperm to 100 kids. I was like, okay, well, I just covered that subject. Can you circle back with me in six to eight weeks? You know what I mean? But when you have out there stories like that, then it's interesting. But those people kind of have communities. And and another thing is, there's so many Facebook groups now, where, you know, it's like, f- hashtag find a guest, be a guest, right? And in there, you can literally say, I'm looking for XYZ. So I'm looking for an executioner. I'm looking for a KKK member. I'm looking, you can do that on any social media platform. I've literally gotten gas by going on Facebook and, and saying these outrageous things. I'm sure my family was like, what is she doing? But crowdsourcing is a really good way to get gas. You can just say, I'm looking for a grief counselor. I'm looking for a grief counselor that's buried at least a thousand people. So how would you, how would you advise me, right? I have the Grounded Content Podcast. I'm looking for incredible guests that meet my specific criteria. Where would I start? I honestly would even go to Twitter yeah. and start getting your audience to engage with you. You know, asking questions is a great way to get people to engage. I mean, that's mainly what I do in my Facebook group. And yeah. you can do this on LinkedIn. You can do this on Facebook. You can do this on Twitter. Also, another thing that you can do on Twitter or on any of these social media platforms is search hashtags, you know, of things that you're interested in. Same thing applies on Quora. I mean, God, it feels so much easier than um, in the old days where you really had to call one person 
And and it's almost like a lost skill, this thing where you would call somebody and you'd say, hey, do you know anybody who meets this criteria? And they'd say, no, I don't, but I bet so-and-so might. And then you call that person and they say, well, I don't really, but I know somebody who does this. And you call that person and you start following the chain and eventually you find those people. That still exists though. And yeah, I know those people. Like it is good to reach out to connectors. It's good also to know, like, who are the people that follow you on every platform? Who's looking at your stories? Who's engaging your content? And who do they know? Right. Who do they know? I mean, community is the theme right now. And it really is about building that that virtuous cycle where the community is the audience, is feeding content, right? Is circulating all of that. Yeah. You know, another thing too, I was just talking about this on a, an Instagram live today where we're so caught up on trying to get more and more people to connect with us and more and more listens, like more and more listens, more and more downloads, more and more followers, right? But it's really about deepening the connections with with the people who already like you. Right, right. And extending out from there. So there's this girl who I watch every day on Instagram. Her name is IG Live with Angela. I love her vibe. I love her story. I love her content. I met her through Evan Carmichael, who is the first guest on my podcast. And just by sharing with her, engaging with her content, I have made so many friends in her comments, her shouting me out, her sharing me on her story. It's having people like that. Guests come from there. It's not even necessarily like always directly having to look for people. It's just starting conversations around what you're interested in and those people will gravitate towards you. I think that's so well said because you know, if you're excited by your subject and interested in your subject, then you should be reading articles, listening to podcasts, meeting people, talking to people, watching on Instagram, connecting. And you should have an endless flow of ideas and people that come from that if you care about your subject. Oh my God. I was just talking to another podcaster, shout out Dr. Darian Parker about that. Because today I was reached out to a guy that wants to kind of match make good podcasts and good guests. And I was like, to be honest, I will never need your service unless you're a niche podcast that is all about real estate or a healthcare podcast that wants like particular specialists. Like I have a wide range of guests. Like I do a show with my dad and I get, you know, inspirational fathers, absent fathers, daddy's girls, daddy drama. There is endless amounts of those, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. what I was saying to him is like, I don't know too many podcasters who would need that service. Because even when you send a guest an episode and you're like, here's your promotional clip, here's your thumbnail, here's the links to all the episodes. At the end of sending my guest that, I'm like, hey, you were an amazing guest what amazing guests like you would you send me or or would you recommend? And from right. the amount of referrals I get just from the guests that have been on my show, I could be booked till the end of the year. Yeah. If you have a podcast that's successful and you have relationships with the people that are on it, you've got a built-in audience and built-in referrals. That's such a great tip because, you know, people who are great guests know people like them who are also great guests and they see that it's a good fit. There's got to be some incredible stories about finding guests or dealing with guests from Jerry Springer. I mean, maybe they will be in the direct experience and of our listeners. Maybe they will need to learn some things from it. But either way, there's got to be some incredible stories. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, it was right before the internet was really happening. So that was when we were getting guests by people calling in the 1-800-96-JERRY number. 
And we were yes. getting about 1500 calls a week. And it was my job. And how did you screen them? Exactly. I mean, really, you're calling the the first person who calls in is always the most excited, like they want to do the show. But you need to make right. that person your best friend because they need to rope the other people in. <laughs> so explain for people who don't know the show. I can't imagine that's anybody. But let's explain what you're talking about. Right. So usually 90% of the stories were cheating stories. The bread and butter of the show was cheating. And so it would be a wife calls in and, you know, there's somebody down the block who's been knocking on my door for the past two years and I'm ready to have a piece of her. And then I would say, oh, well, tell me about that girl, you know, and get a little bit more about the story. But then it was really like, I need to get those other people on the phone to see if that girl wants a piece of the wife and whether the husband's going to agree to getting both of them there. (laughs) And how on earth did you do that? I mean, that's the question everybody has watching the show. They're like, why would these people come on? How do you get the husband and the, the mistress and all of them on? The best guests are the ones that are already a fan of the show. And same yeah, thing applies right. to podcasting, right? If somebody is already a fan of your show and they know the format and they love it and they've got a question for my yeah, dad already right. prepared, chances are they're just going to unload, right? Yeah. So the stories I mainly went for were the ones that came together easily and that were super high energy over the phone. And those really unfold nicely on stage as well. But the thing is, is that Sometimes there's a secret guest. Sometimes the people don't know the people involved, right? And sometimes the stories would unfold in the street. Like half of my story from one show would find half of the story from another show. And then they would tell each other what hotels they were staying in. And then you got to talk the people into doing the show anyway, when they've already like had it out in the street the night before. So that was really challenging. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, did you think about what impact this had on people's lives when you were booking those guests? That is such a great question and truthfully kind of why I moved on. Um, Wow. It was my first job out of college. So out of college, no, I did not think about the impact it was actually having on people's lives. I thought about the fact that I was getting to work on TV and make a good paycheck and live in Chicago, like to be honest. But after working on the show for two and a half years and hearing hundreds of these stories and hearing these stories all the time and it becoming my life, the third season I worked on the show, I produced the season opener. And one of the guests came up to me after the show and said, how can you live with yourself? Wow. And it honestly kind of like stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, wow, I I never even thought about that. I was like a very self-centered early 20 year old, you know, I was 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. And I was thinking like, you know what you got yourself into? Like, you know, there's no happy endings here. Like that's what we preach when we make you sign the book that you have to sign to be on the show. (laughs) I mean, I think this is a really important discussion to have because it's so easy to, you get really focused on doing your job well, right? You want to be successful. You want to do a good job at it. And sometimes you forget to step back. What did you learn in terms of, you know, where your lines are? That is such a great question. And honestly, it even applies to my podcast now. Okay. Because I interviewed someone who was a nanny to the Gates family pre that story coming out. And after I spent like an hour on the call with her, she was like, I did sign something saying I wouldn't talk about my time here. I was like, oh, "Uh, yeah, we can't air this. Like, I don't want the Gates family coming after me to like, yeah. So 
there have been shows that I have worked on in my past or interviewed for where they might release the guests after they film. So an example, I interviewed on the Borat movie. And sometimes they might have done things and then asked the guest afterward or the person who appeared in the movie to sign the release that they can use that footage afterwards. Sometimes it's do it and then ask. And And did they get the signature always? Well, if they didn't, then they're blurred. (laughs) Right, right. No, I know. And I've worked in reality TV show like that, too where they just, like, even at Springer, like, when we had the Springer cams and we're having people run naked through downtown Chicago, yeah, like, you were getting in trouble sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'd like you to think about, if you're willing, you know, for somebody young getting into media, right, we all could get caught up in wanting success or in even in marketing, right? What do you do to be effective? And there are lines that we can't cross or we shouldn't cross, in terms of causing harm to our audience or to our guest or to our customers. And most of us don't think about it enough in advance. And that's how we get into trouble, right? Because we just are get caught up in doing our job. And then in hindsight, we think that probably wasn't the best decision, but I was so focused on the results. So I'm wondering, do you have advice? Are there things that you learned? Are there red flags? Not so much about lawsuits, but just about your conscience where you're like, you know what? This could be really interesting, but I don't think this is the best place to go. How do you make those decisions? I have put things on the back burner to see if maybe they would change their mind. And I kind of left the door open. I'm like, I really appreciate you sharing that story with me. I interviewed someone who their their son was missing. And they were Mm -hmm. concerned about their son. And then the son turned up dead. And I was like, look, I am not looking to ruin people's lives. I, I appreciated our time together. And, you know, I interviewed him. I interviewed the wife. I interviewed the daughter. It was, Mm. I I paid for all the editing. I spent a lot of time putting the story together. It was, it was a really good story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, look, (laughs) I'm not looking to ruin people's lives. You know, I hope that you know, you find peace. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I've always had a conscience. I think most people do, but I think maybe are there red flags early on that you look for? Like, I know I've done it. I've found myself working on a campaign or working on something where I get so focused on the results. And then I step back or I tell it to someone who's not in marketing or not media. And they're like, you did what? And I'm like, oh yeah, that was not such a great thing. I've had a couple of guests that have told me that they overshared mm. and could you edit parts out? And I have, if it's a slight edit and it's not like chunks of their story, I don't want it to take away from the authenticity of the show, right? Or right, what they right. shared. If it's if it's too much, I just would rather not air it. So I've right. not aired stuff and then I've made slight adjustments. If it's a very sensitive story, and I know that beforehand, now I say, when I connect, I do have it recording from the get-go. So know that. And like, you've got to (laughs) self-edit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Advise them. Yeah. I do say that. And still sometimes they're like, ah, you know, and if I can make slight adjustments, I will. Because again, like, I'm not trying to ruin people's lives. But if it's too much, I'd rather just... Not air it. 
Thank you for the conversation. I've loved connecting with you. I loved that you opened up to me like that. That's amazing, but I'm not going to air it. Yeah, I've done that multiple times. I think that's a really good solution because I've seen that come up where someone will say, you know, I interviewed someone and they called me and asked me not to use it, but they signed a release, you know, and it's like, well, yes, but what's the right decision? And I guess it depends if it's newsworthy or something. I actually did a newsworthy story, something that was on every major news station. There was a kid who was cyberbullied and he ended up committing suicide. And the thing is, is he was the same age as my son. I actually had a cousin that went to that school and left due to bullying. So it like really hit home. And I reached out to the parents because we had shared connections. And I was like, I would love to actually do this live in Mm. the studio. And there's a lawsuit involved towards the school and towards some of the kids who said these things to their son. And so before I aired the episode, I did actually give them permission to make sure legally it was okay. And I did make some edits and adjustments there. And I, I mean, it was two months after it happened. So, but I, I did think about, I was like, if Katie Couric or if NBC interviewed them, they would not give the guests the freedom to name the episode or to make edits or they spin it however they want. So if you agree to be on someone's show, you got to have some trust there. Right, right. That's actually really good advice from the guest side is, you know, on the one hand, that honest, authentic story is going to be the most compelling. But, you know, really think about what you're saying and and how it can be edited for, you know, because we as editors, we know like you want to make it a great story. And sometimes you get caught up in making it a great story and that might be at the expense of the the person. I've actually like interviewed some reality stars, former reality stars that I've worked alongside. And they talk about that, how it's it's television, right? They have to make it compelling. And so they don't show the whole truth. I mean, they shoot right. hours and hours of footage to get the segment they need. I mean, when I worked in reality TV, it was like that. You think about it, because even if you're not trying to distort reality, when we tell a story, I don't tell everything. I mean, I'm not being misleading, but it would be boring if I said, like, then I open the car door and then I close the car door, right? You are always editing to make the story engaging. That's how we talk. That's how we convey information. And without trying to be misleading, anytime you are, even if you don't edit, right? If you're a videographer and you go out and you shoot an experience and there's no editing, well, there's something happening in front of the camera and there's something happening behind the camera. And that's just reality. You are putting a lens on what's happening when you create media, whether it's telling a story, doing a podcast, editing a video, doing a reality show, there's different degrees and there's no hard lines. And that's why, I mean, that was actually the idea behind this podcast. Where are the lines between persuasion and manipulation? Everything that we do in marketing and in storytelling, it's all gray. But I think it doesn't get talked about enough. And it's kind of like this. If you, you know how they say, like, if you have kids, you should talk about drugs before they're going to try drugs so that they're thinking about it so that the first time they deal with it isn't when somebody says, hey, smoke this. They've thought about it ahead of time. 
what would I do if, right? I don't know the answers. They're not easy, but maybe we should all think about them before we get in those situations so that at least we're prepared to deal with it. And I've sort of veered more into like tactics in my podcast since then, but that was really the original concept behind Grounded Content was let's have these conversations about how you can be effective, but also be, you know, a positive impact in the world. And, you know, I think alongside that, podcasters love feedback, right? Like podcasters love when you start conversations around the ideas that they're having. So like if somebody reached out to you and they were like, I would love to learn more about how you produce the show or how much do you record afterwards versus during, or how do you decide to make a promo clip? You would probably want to have a conversation with them because they knew that you were into talking about tactics. Right. So right. that would actually be a really good way to get your attention. And then they could weave in, Hey, I'd like to be a guest, but like, imagine if someone like knew from this conversation, like things that you had said about why you started the podcast and then wanted to have a conversation about that. That would be a good way to get to know you or For to sure. get in with you. Now, do you think that would be manipulative if they really didn't want to have the conversation? Smart. They were just like, I don't really give a shit about that stuff, but I know I can have that conversation and she'll fall for it and she'll have me on the show. You know, maybe some of these people that reached out to me just, you know, only wanted to be on the show. But, you know, here's a good way I test them. <laughs> like if somebody's like, I really enjoyed that, you know, conversation yeah. with you about, uh, that you had with Stephen Covey. I'd be like, oh, can you write me a review? So I've given them a task. If they do that, then I'm like, all right. Yeah. What yeah. can you get them to do to prove that this is going to be more than just a one email pitch? Right, right. I like that. I like that. <laughs> no, I think it's smart. And I think, again, like those lines are, are always gray. So that's a great yes. pitch thing is really understanding who you're pitching, right? That's key. What are they interested in? What are they looking for? And I think that's valuable to the host and the guest, right? If you understand what they're looking for. Would you get annoyed if somebody were like, so tell me about your podcast? Because I literally connect with people. And they're like, tell me about your podcast. And you're like, you could totally listen to it or you could totally like Google that. But I'm like, that's cool. They want to know. I'll have that conversation. It depends on or, the context. I mean, you could say like what parts of my podcast, like how I came up with the idea or what kind of guests am I looking for? What kind of conversations? Are, am I are looking you saying like, like somebody has you as a guest to be interviewed and they're like, so tell me about your podcast? No, like people connecting with you cold on LinkedIn and yeah, uh, them yeah. just like, yeah, asking you. That's, I haven't gotten that one yet. <laughs> okay, I get that a lot. I get, you know, we both have a last name that starts with the letter A. I thought we should connect on LinkedIn. I have empathy for that. I will say I have empathy for bad pitches because when I first started LinkedIn, I mean, there are some LinkedIn rules, but when I first started LinkedIn, it was my job to reach out to hundreds of financial advisors and CPAs and estate attorneys and try to get them to come to fancy steak dinners and buy really expensive life insurance products. And my pitch was literally, <laughs> looks like we have similar interests and connections. Let's connect. Yeah. You guys so I get those and I always <laughs> reply, that sounds great. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. And they never answer. I've actually stopped accepting podcast producer, uh, podcast promotions people. I, I want to go back to how I've gotten some of my favorite guests. Oh, good. Good. Thank you. 
I watched a series on Netflix with my daughter and loved Indian matchmaking. And so I literally like tried to reach out to all of those cast members pretty much on every platform. And I got four of them to say yes and loved that. Now tell me what you said to them that you think got them. Maybe just kind of what I just said to you, like binge watched this show. I want to know what was left out of that, you know, mention parts of the show that I really enjoyed or, you know, my daughter thought you were the prettiest or, you know what I mean? You actually loved the show. And yes, actually, I actually love the show. And your daughter actually loved the show. Or like, I know you were the most hated, but I actually like you and agreed with things that you did. Right. X, Y, and Z. And here's another trick. So like, how did I get Katie Couric to follow me on Instagram, right? I love her content. I loved her book. I loved her book. I read that in like two, three days, like the entire thing from front to back. Yeah, Let's recommend it. I forget the name of it. It's just such a good book. Going There. So I loved the book Going There. She's actually a daddy's girl. I just, I love the questions that she asks. She asks, I love the guests that she gets. I love her her Instagram lives. I feel like she's so cutting edge with everything that's being discussed. And she's always like, you know, Roe versus Wade. Like she'll interview like the head of Planned Parenthood, you know, like Trump being invaded. Like she's going to talk to somebody, uh, you know, on his staff. So I just, I started sharing her content and adding her and, you know, putting my own little words to some, I, I would watch her entire live and then take notes and quote something that she said, like mid interview that I really connected with. And right. I started doing that. And then she started sharing that. You can branch out again, back to the branching out from people that you love and finding your community. If you love Katie Couric, you're going to, lo- chances are you're going to love some of the people that she's interviewing. So if it works with Katie Couric, try it with some of the people she's interviewing too. And if you get one of those people following you, then they're all like, oh, well, Katie follows her. Let me follow her. So that's happened to me multiple times now. And when Katie went to Chicago, you know, I wasn't able to get there beforehand to like meet her, but I took pictures from the event. I quoted the event. I shared that in my story. So she saw I was there. You know, it's, is it manipulative? Maybe a little because I would dream of interviewing her, but it's also genuine. There is a gray line there. It is also genuine. Like I have never said, actually, I did say I would love to. You are a fan though. You're not pretending. But I really am a fan. I look up to her work. But the thing that really struck me in her book was when she talked about that like pressure to be Katie, the sort of the cute bubbly versus Catherine, the serious journalist. And the eating disorder and also like talking about the Me Too movement. Yeah, right. In her generation that was really sort of caught in a weird place. It's a really good book. It is a really good book. Let's kind of recap what two two big pieces of advice. One for first, if you want to be a guest on podcasts. Yeah, if you want to be a guest on podcasts, listen to the show first without trying to connect with the host maybe two or three shows. That's first. Second, if you want to get the host's attention, every host is going to notice if you write them a review and you could even send it to them. And three, like, how can you add to the conversation? How can you bring value and lead with that? Like whether it's, you know, I have something good to say, or I have a community that I can introduce you to, or I'd like to have you on my show back. I mean, reciprocity is good. Those are, those are really good. And then the other way 
tips if you are looking for great guests and reaching out to people that may be difficult to reach? What would you do there? Kind of what we were just speaking to, but be yourself. Don't try to sound like a PR agency if you're not. Also, know the language of the platform that you're on. Like you can you can search you can search Twitter. Twitter is not LinkedIn, you know, and LinkedIn is not Facebook. If you're on Facebook, it's going to be a much shorter message. If you're on LinkedIn, it's going to be more long form or a status update. You can really find people on all platforms, but do your research before reaching out. It goes both ways on the research front. Like do your research on the guest and do your research on the show. But if you're looking for great guests, like if you want a reality star or if you want a celebrity, who's that person's manager? Who's, I would even just honestly Google that, like Tori Amos, manager, Tori Amos, PR firm. You'd be surprised. I've gotten a hold of people by literally just Googling the celebrity that I want to reach and manager, you know, do some research to who's representing that person. And, you know, maybe that's the best way in. It's a relationship game. So know who your connectors are. If you've got that uncle that's sending out messages every week and he's connecting with hundreds of people weekly, who does he know? And who would he suggest he knows you well, right? Who knows you well? Who would they suggest? Know who your cheerleaders are. Know who your audience is. Know what they want to hear from you and pull them. That's like a masterclass right there. You just, (laughs) who, who who was your biggest guest, your hardest guest that you're most excited about? The most meaningful and the one I went after the longest was Jerry because Jerry Springer started my career. It was my first job out of college. I wanted to thank him for honestly making like a big difference in my life. I feel like he really cared about his cast and crew. And even when he relocated from Chicago to Connecticut, he cried. You know, he had worked with people for 20 plus years and some of them couldn't move to Connecticut. I I genuinely feel like his publicist has been with him for, you know, 27 30 years, something like that. And I have kept up that relationship for 20 years. And truthfully, it wasn't even about the number of downloads for me. It was about getting closure. It was about saying thank you. And it was, it was such a special, it was such a special episode. And it took me a year and a half to get that to come together. I got yes, I got no, I got, if I can tell you even how I closed it, it's crazy. So I had this reality star, Kale Lowry, reach out to me and she's getting probably 50,000 downloads a day. I mean, she's got a huge following. She was a teen mom, 16 and pregnant. I was actually a production manager on 16 and pregnant in like, I don't know, 2007 or something. And she's got like, I don't know, three different baby daddies or something and four kids. And I think she related to me as like a mompreneur or something. And she reached out to me and said, do you want to do a promo swap? She would give me 50,000 impressions and I would give her 50,000 impressions. And I was like, okay, this is the perfect time to reach out to Jerry Springer. I mean, this is like some value I can actually offer him. I was like, look, if you're thinking about doing my show, I know I've got yeses and nos. Like if you're thinking about doing it, this is the week to do it because she'll promo the episode and then it's mutually beneficial for you. And that's how it happened. And then I went back to her. I was like, hey, if you want to do it, I'm going to have Jerry Springer on. This is a good time to do it. And I played that off of each other. And then I got a yes from both of them. Yeah, that's always a tricky one, right? (laughs) When you're like, what if one of them says no? So let me let you do closing words because this is grounded content. How do you stay grounded when you are making your content? I was working on getting grounded today because my kids just started school and we just moved to a new state. And I feel like I was feeling very anxious and 
you know, all these emails that I want to respond to and I want to run on the treadmill and I want to unpack things that are still a couple boxes behind. And I was like, you know what? When you are feeling super busy and super anxious, instead of piling on and trying to be more productive, it's really time to slow down and think. And so that is what I did before this. I did what brought me joy. I did not get on the treadmill. I did not unpack a box. I may have shed a few tears and I just tried to feel my feelings. Yeah, that's how I stay grounded. So what do you think? Have you ever crossed the line, whether in your tactics to land the perfect guest or how you talk to the guest or how you shared their story? Have you ever gotten so caught up in trying to do a good job that in hindsight, you realize maybe you didn't make the best choices? I'd love to hear about that or your best tips for landing great guests. Leave a message at my pod inbox. And if I like it, if it fits with the show, maybe I'll use it on the next episode. You can go to podinbox.com slash grounded. As always, you can find me and all the information about me, links to my socials and everything else at my website, madmotion.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.